Uh, hello. 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 How's it going? Good. Pretty good. Everybody awake? I am now. Wide awake. Sid, let's get an update. Where do we stand on the existential crisis meter out of 100? Where are we sitting right now? Mm, it's been a pretty good week, so I'm, I'm probably at like a 75. A 75? Yeah, okay. A and this movie didn't really bump you up that much? It did, and it didn't in different ways. So it balanced out. Yeah. So That's I'm fair. like maybe like a few points above where I was before. Okay. So you came in at a 71. Now we're sitting at a 75. Came in at like came in at like a 71 and then the movie started and it bumped up to like 74 and then I spilled water all over myself <laughs> and bumped down to like 65 and then I saw that one shot of Ryan Gosling in the orange and it bumped it up to 75. Oh, so seeing Ryan Gosling like that gave you an existential crisis? Oh, no. I think you got the water and it's Ryan all, Gosling backwards. It's all backwards, guys. Okay. Because um, I was like, because then you should not look at Ryan Gosling and just spill water on yourself all the time. If that... Yeah. That'd be a terrible life to live, to not look at Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and yeah, spill no water all over you. yourself. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan Gosling saved me today. He we did. had Ryan Gosling in two places. As every room. day. And now... He's in a position where nearly all of us can stare at him for this entire episode. Except for me. I have to turn my head. Becca, can you move your head a little bit? Can you catch the reflection oh, of my glasses, guys? Oh, I can see him on the screen, though. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we haven't pulled up. All right. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. Uh, my name is Andrew Westensgo. I am the host of this here podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hello. How's it going? It's going very well. Good. And am I left by Miss Yanni Face herself, Sid? I just say you yawn. I don't appreciate that. Well. I was the one that fell asleep. People yawn, okay? People do yawn. But here's the thing. If you start yawning, then it's going to be contagious to the rest of us. And it's going to be a podcast of us yawning. Well, now you're talking about yawning. And now I feel like I need to yawn again. Oh, Me my too. gosh. You guys are the worst. <laughs> You Sorry, we like <laughs> sleep and living and being a human. Hey, that's really topical. <gasps> you did such a good job, Sid. Wow. <laughs> you brought us back on track. I did. Guys, today we are talking about, uh, well, we couldn't keep him away for long. Uh, we did one episode in between Denis new movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we are continuing on my quest to cover all Denis Villeneuve movies on this podcast. So It'll probably only take another month. Probably. We just have a rival and enemy left, and I could literally watch either of those right now. Well, they're always an option every week. We always pull I them. I always pull them. Yeah, and I pushed it in because I said, we just did a Denis Villeneuve. And, and then, then she I picked said, Blade Runner. Let's do Blade Runner. <laughs> So, people, we're talking today about Blade Runner 2049. Um, we were going to do a twofer, well, not a twofer, but like a two-week thing and do Blade Runner. And then next week do Blade Runner 2049. But the real truth of the matter is we just really wanted to watch Blade Runner 2049 today. Mm -hmm. And that hardly ever happens. So, I decided to take advantage and watch it because I will watch this movie any day. This is a big moment for Andrew. This is a huge moment for me, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> we have, or he has, or one of us has mentioned Blade Runner 2049 on 
almost every episode since we started it's all been leading up to this i wanted it to be some like momentous episode be like episode 50 or 100 or whatever 34 that's what we get (laughs) (laughs) so episode 34 is our new special one um because we did tree of life for episode 10 right or was it 15 or 20 i don't know it was some special one was tree of life Mm um and just from the outset people in case you didn't know uh the jury is still out but the two movies in contention for my favorite movie of all time are blade runner 2049 and tree of life so (laughs) i like this movie just a little bit (laughs) um we are going to be going into full-on spoilerific territory um if you have not seen this movie um you should watch you should watch the original but you should also watch uh this one because it's very good. And if you watch the original, full disclaimer, <clears throat> excuse me, watch the final cut. Do not watch the director's cut. Do not watch the theatrical cut. Watch the final cut. You can find it usually in like the $5 bin at Walmart. That's where I found my copy. Felt really good. Um, so watch that and then watch this. But be aware, it is two hours and 45 minutes long. You're going to want to cut out a big swath of time for it. Uh, but yeah. Um uh, before we get into the spoilers, just so you guys know what it's about, uh, Blade Runner 2049 stars Anna de absolutely perfect messy bun. Um, really, the, the fact that the makeup and hairstyling in this didn't win an Oscar is just a travesty because of that messy bun alone, I gotta say. Um, it also involves Ryan Gosling. Um and he is a Blade Runner. Blade Runners are police officers that hunt down replicants, which are robots that look like humans, uh, so much so that they are indistinguishable from them. Uh, but they're dangerous because they are super strong and can rebel against humanity and try and destroy us. So, uh, Blade Runners hunt them down, and Ryan Gosling goes on a, a tour of self-discovery. And that's where I'm going to leave that description. If that didn't get you intrigued, then you have no taste in movies, and I don't want to be your friend. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, won two Oscars, should have won. How many categories are there? Uh, let's just say it should have won 49. It should have won 49 Oscars. <laughs> should have won uh, 2049 Oscars. Ooh. Smart. All right, folks. Who's going to make up those Oscars? 2049 of them. I will. Um, best, best Best Ryan Gosling. Best Harrison Ford. Best. Um, <laughs> and the winner for Best Ryan Gosling <laughs> is. <laughs> um, best Messy Bun. Best, best Fur Lined Coat. Uh, best the Naked Holograms. Best Tree. Yeah. Best Wooden best Horse. Statues. Oh, yeah, statue. best statues, best bees. I was just going to say yes. that. Those bees do an incredible job. Such a good performance best from those dog. bees. Best, best dog. The um, best boy. Best <laughs> <laughs> He's best not a good boy. Elvis He's the best hologram. Boy. Ooh, nice. Uh, best, uh, um, best color orange. Yes. <laughs> and that's the biggest category of the night. That's the... <laughs> And finally, our last category, best color orange. And it's just that one scene yeah. for like an hour. Yeah. That's all we watch. Um, okay. 
So we're going to get into this, though, folks. I love this movie, and we're going to see if my excitement is matched by my two co-hosts here. Um, we can only hope so, and you guys can just hear us talk for an hour about how freaking amazing this movie is. Or not. Maybe Sid's going to hate it. Who knows? Why am I the bad guy? I don't know. Well, just because you said that, I'm going to hate it now. <laughs> <laughs> I give Blade Runner 2049 a 1 out of I 10. I hated it. You know what's better than Blade Runner 2049? Green Book. Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> Green Book should have won Best Color Orange. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, before we kick it off here, uh, we want to say thank you to all of you for joining us here. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, because nobody listens to the end of podcasts, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email in at contact at wewatchpodcast.com um, or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at uh, wewatchpodcast. Uh, it's facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast. Uh, Instagram at wewatchpodcast. Um, email us, contact at uh, wewatchpodcast.com. And if you love us or don't, just go drop us a review on iTunes, whatever you feel is fair. If you think we're a three-star podcast, give us those three stars. It's better than the... Well, we have a couple of reviews, but not enough. Push us up in those search results, people. Okay, format of the show. Here we go. We're going to do some hot takes. That's where we give a uh, brief description of our overall feelings on the movie. We will then go into a more detailed description and... Then we will have Sid present us with the best of the best of IMDb movie trivia, uh, after which we will all assign the movie a score out of 10, which will place it on the Weston scale, which is the definitive scale for ranking movies. After that, we'll get into other topics. We will tell you how long it is until Midsummer comes out, and we will go over other movies that we have watched in the past week, and that's how the show goes. Uh, before we get into hot takes, though, um, because, Sid, you have not seen the original. No. And Becca, it's been a while. Yes. Do you guys have any questions about the film universe that were not clear that might help the discussion? If not, that's fine. Um, I think I'm good. We talked about it a bit before the movie. Yeah, so. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Because it explains it fairly well, but I just want to make sure that we all... Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't have any questions now. They may come up later. Okay, cool. All right. Um, well, then, don't burn yourself on these hot takes. Becca, how hot is your hot take? I think it's not as hot as you want it to be. Is it not steamy? I mean, it's better than it was when I first watched the movie, so... Is it as hot as two women's faces interpolated over each other? <laughs> I, I guess it depends on if you think that's really hot. I mean, individually, they're both hot. So then. Well, sure. But like together. Two plus two is like four. You know what I mean? A little bit weird. <laughs> How hot is your hot take? It's all right. <laughs> I'll just go for it. Okay. Like a mild paste salsa in here. Jeez. <laughs> okay. I really enjoyed this movie. The first time I watched it. Uh, you really enjoyed it the first time you watched it? No, you stopped me. Oh, gee. Well, I'm sitting here. You're like, oh, yeah, it's all right. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> well, if you would listen, I will tell you. I will get to the why I apologize. it's Continue. not as hot as you want it to be. The first time I watched this movie, I really did not like it because Andrew didn't tell me how long it was going to be. And that was honestly one of the main reasons why I didn't like it. 
This time I knew how long it was going to be. So I was prepared and I I really did like it a lot more. But it is still very slow, especially the first half. Like I almost fell asleep like three times and it's not because it's not good it's just because it's slow and it's quiet and it takes a while to like really get going so that's kind of what brought it down for me is just that like it was kind of a long experience but I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I did the first time and especially the second half I was like fully engaged in the second half like, I almost wish it was two movies. I don't know how that would happen, but anyway, that's my hot take. All right. So this was your uh, virgin viewing, correct? Yes. What did you think? How hot is your hot take? I feel like it's hotter than Becca's. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked it. Um, like, a little bit after it first came out, I tried to watch it just, like, on my computer and, like... 20 minutes in I was like I'm not in the right headspace for this um so I I did really really like it the time really does wear on you but thinking back to like what you're actually watching I don't really feel like there's anything to cut out there's definitely long scenes and it's just like a Ryan Gosling walking but it's still gorgeous and it just it's like it doesn't do a whole lot for the story like him just like walking but it just i don't know it sets the tone for the movie and kind of the character of Kay and trying to figure this out um but yeah i really really liked it i think i would like it more on a second viewing but i i'm still a really big fan of this one yeah we uh we we caught this a little bit late i actually so I had seen the original when I was in high school and enjoyed it quite a bit. And I really like Ryan Gosling and I like Jared Leto. And so one day I was at Target, like right after it came out on Blu-ray and I just kind of impulse bought it. Didn't know much about it. Um, and we went home and watched it that night and I was just floored, just blown away. And literally the next day, cause it was still playing in the dollar theater. So literally the next day I found a showing at the Dollar Theater and went by myself and it was me alone at the Dollar Theater watching Blade Runner like <laughs> six months after it came out. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And I loved it. Um, actually, no, it wasn't six months. It was because it, it, my poster here says that it came out in October. So I probably saw it beginning of November. So it was like a month after it came out. Um, yeah, I don't know how much hotter my hot take can get. Um, this movie just is the culmination of so many things. And I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day, um, who was like raised on the original Blade Runner and basically sees this movie as heresy. Like it just, according to this person, just ruins the Blade Runner universe because it takes a lot of the ambiguity of the first one. And makes it less ambiguous, I guess. And the ambiguity of the first one is what so many people love about it. Um, I didn't really have that problem because I like the original wasn't like gospel for me when I first saw this. I've really come to love the original because of this one. So, um, yeah, there's really just not 
a thing about this movie that I dislike. Um, I think the the length is perfect, honestly, and it it doesn't feel like almost three hours to me. Like it does to me. <laughs> it did a little bit to me because it's just so freaking pretty. Oh yeah, it like, is. You're not. I think probably the big thing for why this felt long is like it's been a long day for me and I kind of have a headache. So it was if I felt 100%, I would be absolutely like enamored with this movie and I wouldn't be able to look away. That's fair. Yeah, I just found myself like even more this time than any other time that I've watched it just totally wrapped up in all of it and noticing new things and I don't know, I'm just really excited too talk about this one well let's talk about it let's talk about it because that's what the podcast is we just watched a movie and now we're <laughs> going to talk about it um i don't know where to start do you guys what do you guys want to start with what was each of your favorite parts of the movie whether it be a scene or an aspect or whatever <laughs> oh that's tough <laughs> um i mean First off, like just the cinematography is amazing. And I know we can talk about that for forever, but throughout the movie, the music really started to stick out to me. Yes. It's like that scene um where it was just like right before Ryan Gosling like went and attacked the replicant who had um Decker and just like kind of like the bullhorn just like drones. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Those huge synth swells. Because uh, that happens probably four times. Yeah. At different points. And it just like, I don't know, it just like really struck me at that part. And I was just like, uh, it's so good. I like, it's, it's totally kind of a cliche now, like with the bullhorn thing, especially like in trailers, but I am 100% here for it. I love it. <gasps> We're just spilling water today. Becca just dumped her water bottle all over the place. Anyway, that was one okay. of my favorite things. I honestly, I don't think there's anything that I could talk about that I didn't really like. I I mean, I kind of feel the same way. Like it's just the length for me that it's like slow and long, and that's not bad. It's just what you're going to get with this movie. Yeah. And I guess that's still like something that I like have to get over like I don't want to fall asleep in a movie but I was yeah and it wasn't because I was bored it's just because it was slow and long and quiet yeah um but I totally agree with the music my favorite part was right when he enters the orange like right when it like turns orange and he's walking oh right when he I gets mean, to, right like, when he gets to Vegas or? yeah okay yeah like that scene like can't be beat i don't think for me it's when Kay and joy are heading out to the orphanage mm. and it, it's like a really hard cut to like a dam and then the water starts spewing out mm. and it does one of those like and that melody that the sense form is just yeah. incredible and he's just like on a drive with his girlfriend and it's really sweet mm-hmm. and yeah um i don't know i've thought about this a lot uh over the last 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) but i think i come down on i think my favorite part of this movie is k and joy and their relationship 
Um, I think that it's really the engine of this movie. It's what keeps things moving forward. Right. And not just the, I guess the dialogue that they have with each other where she's like pushing him, like you're special, you're a real boy, you're Joe, whatever. Like it's, I don't want to give my whole thesis on the Gene Evil New <laughs> filmography, but I kind of have to give a little bit of background here. So buckle up folks. <clears throat> Denis Villeneuve is the uh, best director working today, and that is an objective statement, and it's absolute fact. Um, <laughs> find me somebody uh, who is currently working right now who is making better films than Denis Villeneuve, and I will show you Denis Villeneuve films until you believe me. Um, his entire filmography, his entire English filmography, I have not seen any of his French films, um, but his entire... English filmography is all based around the idea of becoming the master of your domain, essentially, to borrow a Seinfeld quote. Um, (laughs) Essentially, like, becoming the owner of your own life. Um, He presents in each film um, different things that could chip away from our autonomy um, over our own lives. Um, so like an enemy, it's other people in, and in that one, it's specifically women for a man, but in any case, it's, it's more abstractly about other people, uh, being able to control your life and therefore remove your autonomy. Um, in Sicario, it is your own personal moral code being the decider of what you consider to be moral and living by that and living with the consequences of that. Um, not allowing somebody else to decide for you what is moral and what is amoral. Um, in prisoners, it's fear. Um, it's not being beholden to to fear or letting it make your decisions for you. Um, in arrival, it is simultaneously time and consequence. Again, letting either of those things dictate your life for you. And then everything kind of comes to a head in this movie. Um, where it's literally, um, just your own, I guess, self-awareness, um, and making a conscious decision to be the controller of your own life. Um, and that's kind of the journey that Kay goes on over the course of this film is he is a replicant and he knows that. It's never a secret. He's treated like crap for it. And he just does what his boss says. And he goes out. And even at the beginning, um, when he's talking to uh, Sapper Morton, and Sapper asks him, you know, what's it like to hunt down your own kind? And he says, well, I don't hunt my own kind because my kind don't run. And basically separating himself even from these rebellious replicants. Like, he puts himself down really hard. And he... Um, makes the decision to be controlled by other people and by his circumstance, basically. Um, Over the course of the film, he learns that there is a child that was born, you know, had a replicant mother, um, and he becomes convinced that it's him. And he uses that information as a weapon to essentially take back his own life. Um when he finds out later that he is not the child that he is just a replicant that 
idea and that feeling of being in charge of his own life at that point just can't be taken from him. And he learns that he is the master of his domain because he says he is and not because somebody else allowed him to be. And that is his journey of self-realization. And I feel like that's, like I said, kind of the, the, the head that all of the evil news films have been leading to up to this point is that idea that these things control or don't control you because you do or do not let them essentially that we as humans, um, as like self-aware and conscious beings have the ability to take control of our own lives. And essentially if we allow ourselves to be just controlled and have our actions, our actions, our morality, anything be dictated by outside circumstances, then we are slaves and it's up to us to decide not to do that. So I think that like, that's like this movie means so much more to me than just the movie, because I see it in the grander context of all of these other films that he's done as well as standing on the, on the shoulders of the original Blade Runner, which starts to ask that question. Um, and this one, like this movie answers the question that the first one asks. And what I love about this one is that like we get to follow Kay, the replicant and see like his life when he's not doing exactly what he's told. And that makes him feel more human to the audience as well. Because like when he's at home on his own time, like he is making his own decisions well, and he just wants a home life. Like he wants uh, someone to come home to and someone to love him. And mm-hmm. and that's where and he seeks that out. He wants to feel human. Like there's these interesting levels where we have like human and then replicant and then joy. And like. It was just pure AI. <laughs> yeah. And like joy to K is more than just AI. Like. Yeah to him like she's real and she's maybe not human but like conscious well i think that her is kind of a companion film to this in a way i was actually just like during like the the sex scene i was like oh we should watch her we should watch her great movie her is really good because her explores a little bit more explicitly that uh concept of like can you have a genuine emotional connection with a computer basically? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that movie and this movie come to similar conclusions in that, you know, if you feel it, then it's real. Mm-hmm. And he did like, whether she was ones and zeros or not, like he was in love with her and she was in love with him. And I think that helped him when he found out that he was real to like, like jumpstart that and take control of his own life that like he saw joy and thought like she's real she can take control of her life in a sense yeah so i can too kind of but i think that the movie kind of plays on that a little bit because the end conclusion is not that she is human yeah right and what he realizes because i honestly think and it's not because of the boobies but my favorite scene in the entire movie is when he sees the joy hologram 
because that is like that is his tipping point as a character right Mm -hmm. because he sees her and then he sees the ad and the ad is just flashing whatever you want to hear whatever you want to see like he was so desperate for a human connection that he i guess kind of succumbed to that and he let himself believe that I guess her feelings were genuine, but really it was just a reflection, right? She was whatever he wanted to hear and whatever he wanted to see. Yeah. And like in that moment, that's when the illusion is shattered for him. And he, I guess, realizes that he needs to start doing things of his own accord, right? Because even that he was beholden to some expectation Mm -hmm. of what his life should be, right? Yeah, I just think it's so interesting because there's only like two actual humans in the whole movie. Who's that? Well, there's like his boss. Mm-hmm. And then Wallace is human, right? Mm-hmm. And then we don't know for sure about Deckard, right? We still don't know. Yeah. And the first one left it open ended. And I, mm-hmm. I'm i kind of glad that they didn't say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, right? Everybody else that we see besides like random people on the street that are yeah. treating him like crap, mm-hmm. they're all replicants. Yeah. And like that's crazy from like an audience perspective. Like, yeah. I didn't think about that. I don't, they're all replicants. There's enough of them for a rebellion. That's true. <laughs> um, I will say before we move on from this topic, uh, tied for my favorite scene though is um i guess you call it the sex scene they don't really have sex but no, but it's incredible that oh one scene i'm 100 percent confident won them that oscar because this movie won two oscars it won uh cinematography and best visual effects and i'm 100 percent convinced because that, was really cool. that scene is maybe the most spectacular thing i've seen on a screen in my life that was oh my gosh and you just like can't take your eyes away like it's just no mesmerizing and like, it's just so, it, it, Ryan Gosling's performance in that scene is incredible. Just like the, you can see the gears turning of like, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess not to change the topic too much off of that, but if we're talking best Ryan Gosling moments, I think my favorite was when he found out that he was not the child. Like, especially, like, that whole scene, because they're, it's basically just their silhouettes. Like, you can't really see their faces. Mm -hmm. And, like, just the way his body language just kind of drops, Mm -hmm. like, it just says it all so perfectly. And, like, that's, like, acting at the most perfection. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, here's the thing. This was a stacked year uh, in the Oscars, but the fact that he didn't get nominated is a crime. Yeah. But. Who are we bumping out? Uh, Denzel. Bump out Denzel. Yeah. yeah. See you later, bud. Nominated was Gary Oldman, Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Kaluuya, Denzel Washington, and Timothy Chalamet. We'll bump out Denzel. Um, but I mean, here's the thing. That's, I mean, it's the same reason that Daniel Day-Lewis didn't win or Timothy Chalamet. Like, the Academy is a real big fan of people yelling and doing impersonations. Yeah. Where those... And even Daniel Kaluuya, like, 
all three of those in this one in, in Ryan Gosling and this movie included are all a lot subtler mm-hmm. in how good they are. And yeah. it's a lot of body language and acting with the eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so just to finish up um, on that one, and then I do want to talk favorite Ryan Gosling moments because I actually have a different one. Um, that, uh, I don't know that scene where like, I feel like that scene though is the beginning of his disconnect with joy as far as seeing her as real. Yeah. Because like the music I think tells a lot during that film because the music is not like lovey-dovey. It's dark and it's kind of foreboding. And yeah, I love the way like anytime there's like real touching or connection, it's not with joy. Like she's like, like she's like a grabs, half a second behind. Yeah, and he like grabs her hair and like you see it pull out and it's like the blonde hair not yeah. brown and like Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um Sid, what's your favorite Ryan Gosling moment? I was just thinking. I see you churning through the calculations yeah. over there. I mean, all of them are great, obviously. Um, I don't know. I would probably either agree with Becca or the scene where he finds the horse in the furnace. That Ooh. is really good. And he's just like kind of like piecing things together and like his hands are shaking and like that was one of the scenes where i really noticed like how slowly he's walking um because he's scared to death (laughs) yeah he's scared he's trying to figure out what's going on um like he's not sure if this is real or not and yeah his hands are shaking and like even before you see him crying you can hear him crying yeah and it's yeah that was one scene that just like really stuck out to me i have a three-way tie because i'm allowed to do that (laughs) Um, well, and two of them are the two baseline tests, mm. which are just phenomenal. Um, I don't know if this is in trivia or not. It probably is. He wrote those. Oh, really? Yeah. Ryan Gosling wrote the baseline tests. Wow. And it's taken from, uh, you know, when Joy asks him if he wants to read and she pulls up that book, it's Pale Fire. Mm. It's like sitting on his desk. Um, the baseline test is taken from that book. Huh. Not like word for word, but like the phrases are taken from that book. I really loved the second baseline test when like he was just like behind and you could tell he was off, mm-hmm. but like not quite. And I don't know. Yeah. It yeah. Was really good. And then I do think my winner though is when he meets, what is her name? The girl that makes the memories. Oh. oh, I was that was one of my top two. Just that yeah. entire scene, and then when he yes. just explodes. Because, like, it's so, like, it's such conflicting emotions for him. Like, he, he, he wants it to be true, but he also realizes what it being true means. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, that moment of, like, being, like, being angry is a very human thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a replicant wouldn't freak out like that hopefully unless they were angered by somebody else but like that was like i think very human yeah well and again it's just it's such a he's he's so conflicted and you can see him run through all of it and like he's not even you don't even see his eyes like just like the way that he grabs his face and his again his hands start shaking and oh my gosh 
And like with watching this the second time and like knowing how it ends, I was paying more attention to her than him during that mm-hmm. scene. And just the way she reacts is yeah. incredible. Like she's not crying because it's a sad memory. She's crying because it's her it's memory. Her memory. Uh-huh. And the way that she phrases like someone lived this. Like, and then he and then just him, he's he's like, I know what's real. Ah. Yeah. So freaking good. Uh, And yeah, just when he explodes and kicks the chair and walks out, like that's got to be my favorite Ryan Gosling moment. Um, Another favorite moment of mine, and I feel like it sums up Decker's character really well, um, is when Ryan Gosling asks him if the dog is real. And he says, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? (laughs) Because that's just like, that's kind of Decker's, I guess, mentality at this point, right? Is like, who cares? They are like, they're real because they are real. Like, yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I really like that line. Um, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit, and I started noticing it even more this time, uh, more than other times is the color palette oh. and kind of the conflict between the orange and the blue mm-hmm. and how they use that in different scenes where, um, Essentially, the orange representing the idea that, uh, like, he's not a real boy. Like, he's not a real person. He's just a slave. Um, and the blue representing the idea that he is human and, like, conscious and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few times that I noticed it uh, that I didn't other times. The lamps in his boss's office are the exact shade of orange that we see throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. And the first time that he goes to her office, um, after he takes out, uh, I just lost his name. Sapper Morton. Um, they're like overpowering. They're really bright. Mm -hmm. Um, and then each time that he goes back after that, they get a little bit dimmer. I did not catch that, which is really cool actually. Um, and then again, the, Essentially, the the entire Las Vegas scene being purely orange, I think that that represents, like, that trip to Las Vegas is essentially the final hurdle for him, right? Like, if he he's looking for answers, and this is the last obstacle in the way of him admitting to himself that he's human, and that he has a soul, in his words, right? Because mm-hmm. he says to, according to him, to be born is to have a soul. And, like, that's the the what he's looking for there in Vegas is the last obstacle in his way of letting himself believe that. So that's why the whole thing is orange. Cause it's all like, he's just surrounded by that idea and it, it's keeping him down. Um, and then finally at the end, one of the more obvious ones are the lights on the cars while they're fighting. Um, every time that it shows love, she's backlit in orange. And every time that it shows K he's backlit in blue and then when love is killed, then the orange sinks under the ocean and it's just the blue light that's left. Like you saying that I'm like remembering it and noticing it, but I totally didn't. But it gets in your head like you, your subconscious sees it. And then for the yeah. rest of the movie, it's just blue and white. Uh-huh. Like, I guess it's just one more scene, really. But for the rest of the movie, it's just blue and white. Huh. That's so cool. <laughs> really smart. It kind of, it makes the poster a little bit better, right? I don't have the poster pulled up. Not the one that I have. Oh, okay. The main one. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's orange and blue. Yeah, it's orange and blue. 
And they're just such good shades of orange oh and blue. Oh my gosh. That's why it won best shade of orange. Best orange. <laughs> best orange. <laughs> um, yeah, it would have been a freaking travesty if anything else had won cinematography. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like we were hanging out like before the Oscars and we were talking about it and I was like, oh, like I think Dunkirk is going to win best for best cinematography and Andrew just like, <laughs> like no and i like hadn't even seen or like barely knew anything about blade runner and i was wrong i was very very wrong i had great guesses that year i think you were on all my guesses you even called right. best picture yeah i yeah i was pretty solid last year because last year did not suck two years ago you mean last year did suck or i guess this year this year's this year's sucked anyway 2019 yeah. oscars uh wiped from everyone's memory 2018 oscars were great though yep mm-hmm. apart from gary oldman i feel like that was a bit of a gimme yeah here's the thing yeah. he deserves an award and he did really well in that there were just better performances oh yeah for sure i think that uh daniel day lewis timothy chalamet and ryan gosling all did better than him yeah yep yep, yep. or at least impressed me more yeah um the only exception being, and this is a slight tangent on Darkest Hour, uh, because you can see it if you want. It's a movie that nobody's talked about since it came yeah. out. Um, there's one scene where they're in the war room discussing things, mm-hmm. and um, Winston Churchill is making some decision that's going to cost people their lives or whatever. And he basically gets called out by one of the people in the room is like, you know, why do you like why do you get to make this call? Why do you blah, blah, blah. And he stands up and he slams the table and he's like, because I am the one who sits in this chair and like basically lays out. He's like, I take responsibility for this and I know what that means. And you don't know what it's like to be on this side of the table. And I'm just like, it was just a little like, (laughs) also small side note on darkest hour again, because we're probably never going to talk about this movie again. The cinematography in that movie is actually really astounding. Yeah. They do some really, really cool camera tricks. Um, specifically, there's one scene where Winston Churchill is in an elevator and the entire frame is dark except for... I was this, just thinking about Yeah, that. this little oh, tiny gosh. light in the middle that he's standing in this elevator. Yeah. And it's just like, he is alone. Like, <laughs> That's it. We're not yeah. talking about Darkest Hour because it's a fine movie and he does a good job. Yeah. There were just a lot better movies that year. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. There were some really good movies It was a really good year. year. It was a really good year. I missed 2017. Can we have another 2017? (laughs) This could be a really good year. We'll get to that later. But this could be a really good year. It could be a good year. There's a lot of really exciting things happening. I'm really praying for it. Yeah. Give it to us. Just don't give us another green book. No. Ever. Ever, ever. Ever. So, yeah. Um, Like I said, I think... I'm trying to think. I just... I love the the world that this film exists in like everything is just like a little bit quirky Mm -hmm. but like it's like a world where somebody like wallace could exist (laughs) where he's just like so wildly eccentric and like blatantly evil that like (laughs) well and it just feels like like stuck in the past a little bit well it is because if you pay attention Earth is the slums. Uh-huh. Everybody who has any money has moved off world. Yeah, and like Earth is the garbage pile. Is replicants or 
yeah, like people who can't afford to leave Earth. Yeah. And so replicants aren't, I mean, for the most part, going to change culture unless like they are doing, they rise up and rebel. Well, that's the thing is it feels simultaneously futuristic and stuck in the past. Yeah. Which is a really impressive thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I think we watched Gravity earlier this week and I had a similar feeling during this movie as I did during gravity and that I'm sitting here watching it and I'm like, this was a piece of paper once like this started out just somebody writing this down and then evil new managed to take that piece of paper and make this like, this is, this is a movie that somebody made. Like there were people behind this. It didn't just pop into existence. Like it was an intense amount of work and decision-making and a lot of them are really ballsy decisions. He takes a lot of risks with this film. And I think that pretty much universally they pay off, honestly. But it's just, it's so impressive to watch something like this and to think, like, people made this on the planet Earth. And you see, like, the overhead shots of Los Angeles or going to Vegas or, um, you know, seeing what became of San Diego, even like the, the outskirts of greater Los Angeles is what it's called, right? Like just the extent of the sprawl and the ships flying and like, it all feels so real. Yeah. It's just an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were, there are some movies that like, while I'm watching them, like, it's just so good that I say to myself, like, I can't believe this is real, like that. I'm actually yeah. watching this. Um, and also kind of along the same lines, a lot of time, like when I read the trivia for just any movie, like it'll say like the original idea was this and this and this. And it's just, it's because I'm not a very creative person. It's very hard for me to kind of wrap my brain around the writing process where they can start out with this. Like it could have been like a really good movie, but then it like went through all these changes and, and, um, different characters different plot and it turned into just this masterpiece yeah and i just oh, it's so interesting to me and i wish i could do it but i can't so i'll just enjoy other people's hard work yeah filmmaking is one of the more impressive things that a person can do to yeah. me honestly yeah like the role of a director just can't be understated i mean they're called the director for a reason yeah. you know what i mean i don't know i don't know i feel like I don't have a lot more to say because this, this movie does one thing and it does it so well. And so, like I said, towards the end of my rant about the whole filmography of Denis Villeneuve, like this movie means so much to me, not because it does a million different things or has a million different threads you can follow, but it takes this one idea of what does it mean to be human what does it mean to have a soul? And it explores that one idea just kind of to its depths. And like I said, it rounds out the rest of his filmography up to this point. It almost feels like a capstone project of all of his other movies. And so like I could sit here and be like, oh, I really like this scene because of this. And I really like this character's performance because of that and this. But like, it's just that everything comes together so well. Everything is done on such a high level that it just kind of feels a little pedantic to go through bit by bit and say, oh, I liked this and I liked this and I liked this and I liked this. It's like what this movie does is it gets inside of my head and pulls on my heartstrings and 
it does what all good sci-fi does, which is explore the human condition and what it means to be human. And uh, like, that's why it is so good to me is that it's, it's, there's not a second wasted. Um, and everything is just done to such a high degree. I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. And I am starting, like, I feel like my criteria for a really great movie is a movie that leaves you sitting with something afterwards and keeps you thinking about it for days and weeks after. And whether I like love the movie or not, there are plenty that have done that. Even plenty that I don't like that much. Um, Hereditary. Yes. I knew you were going (laughs) to say it. Um, Anyway. And I think this, that Blade Runner 2049 does a really good job of that. Exactly. Like you said, like, asking that question what does it mean to be human but making you think about it way after you see the movie both that and just so many different aspects of the movie in general just like scenes that we've mentioned and things that happen like if a movie makes you think about it after it's a good movie i think yeah Mm -hmm. so i also don't have a ton more to say about it yeah i mean i feel like this would be like a really good movie for like those podcasts where like pretty much they watch the movie and then they pause it after something great but it would be 12 (laughs) hours long yeah right um because yeah if kind of our format like it pretty much all we would do just talk about how great that scene was and that scene and that scene which is it i would love to do but i'm sure there's three hours of scenes (laughs) yeah and i'm sure it's not super entertaining for people who can't see it so it's Overall, best orange goes to Blade Runner 2049. Best orange. <laughs> also, best blue. Best blue. Yep. We'll and get- best Ryan Gosling. Definitely. He gets that for everything he does. <laughs> also, uh, freaking awesome when they're running for Decker's car and Decker slams the door behind him and Ryan Gosling just <laughs> oh my punches gosh. through the wall. Punches through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty freaking oh great. <laughs> but he gets knocked out a lot. In this movie. And he's, not, take- he's not invincible. I think he was just like worked up. Yeah. It's just funny because like he gets knocked out a lot and it like always takes him a little bit to like wake up. But yeah. then he just runs through a wall. <laughs> well, it only, he only really gets knocked out when his car crashes, right? Or yeah, when he gets then, stabbed a few times. Like, like four yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Freaking yeah. love killing joy like that. What a killjoy. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> All right, Sid, what kind of trivia do we have here? All right. We got some trivia. Um, so David Bowie was Denis Villeneuve's first choice for Wallace. Then he had to go and die. Sorry. Is that... Are you apologizing for David Bowie's death? Kind of. <laughs> I don't know. You seem really worked up, so I felt like someone had to apologize. <laughs> so... I'd like David Bowie's cancer to apologize to me. <laughs> we like listen back on the podcast and like, you know how like when you record stuff, you could pick up on stuff you didn't hear and you yeah. just hear, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the voice you imagine David Bowie's cancer having? No, that was David Bowie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No. What kind of, do we know what kind of cancer it was? I don't know. Because I was going to say if it was like lung cancer, you'd be like, sorry. <laughs> 
Anyway, R.I.P. David Bowie. We miss you, bud. Um, the opening scene with Sapper Morton was an exact remake of a scene that was written for Blade Runner but never used. Um, Jared Leto wore opaque contact lenses so he couldn't see anything. Dude, he would. Jared Leto's such a prick, but I like him. Yeah, it's kind of true. Um, uh, yeah, so the baseline test. Um, it's also like an acting technique called dropping in, uh, which induce a trance-like hypnotic effect. So I don't really understand it, but it was cool. Hmm. Um, Jared Leto used silicon... Um, silicon valley tech investors and inventors that he personally knew to like model the character of wallace after hmm. um jared leto shot all of his scenes in under two weeks i mean he's not in it for very long yeah he only but, has a handful but still um his freaking speech i gotta say um, when love comes to him and is like, let's go meet the new model. And he gives his speech about making good angels and how if they had enough angels, they could storm Eden and take it back. Such a freaking good speech. Yeah. Just an evil, evil villain speech. It's so good. Yeah. But like, also I was thinking when you said earlier, like he is like the villain, but he doesn't feel like it. I mean, like, because love is, like, kind of, like, Uh the extension of him. Well, because the villain of this film is an idea. Yeah. The idea that Kay has no soul Mm -hmm. and his purpose and by right he is subservient to humans. Mm -hmm. And Wallace is the perpetrator of that idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Because, like, we don't even know what happens to Wallace. Like, they just leave and... We don't see him again. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Jared Leto worked with the organization Junior Blind of America. So he's his techniques are not my favorite, but his performances are. So. Jared Leto is like he heard about method actors, and he's uh. like, "Ooh, I sure would like to be a method actor." But he's like, he's like a. A wannabe method. He's like a he's like a telephone method actor. Like, <laughs> like somebody like Daniel Day Lewis was the start of the telephone, and he like described method acting to somebody, and then they whispered it in somebody's ear, and then they whispered it in somebody's ear, and then it got to Jared Leto, and he's like, "I'm a method actor now too." <laughs> um. Okay. So when, oh, so I, when they first show Rachel, um, coming in like towards the end, um. I was like, there's no way that they actually got her. But it's actually her, the um, Sean Young. Um, she was the original Rachel. And so they they acted it all out. It took them a year to totally just, like, make that scene and make her look young. Wow. Um, yeah, her appearance was changed to computer-generated um, visual effects. The voice was a sound double. Um yeah and it was so good and um let's see oh yeah Denis Villeneuve gave them a lot of time to do it so it wouldn't be like a Carrie Fisher in Rogue One deal so yeah I actually just watched um I think I've talked about it before where they're like um special effects 
animators who like talk about i just found that channel the other day yeah it's really good um but yeah they talked about um like kind of recreating or like making a character young again and it's you know watching it i'm like oh that's actually really bad like when you look at it you're like yeah that looks weird but then you watch them explain it you're like that's really bad yeah um while shooting a scene harrison ford accidentally punched ryan gosling in the face um and then they shared a bottle of whiskey so so about what it looks like in the movie yeah pretty much (laughs) um so like for the threesome scene they there was like no green screen they pretty much just like mapped it out and like they filmed it twice each actress would do the choreography and doing it and then they just like layered it over and it's i still can't get over that scene it was so good it's so mind-blowingly good because uh, like they look like just somewhat similar that like like their faces are blending and mm-hmm. like their hands look similar so like you can't quite tell who's who but it's oh my gosh so good oh one more thing about the colors joy's clothes even reflect that at times because mm. if you if you notice when they go up on the roof for the first time she changes into a blue dress mm-hmm. uh because it's like advancing the idea of her humanity mm-hmm. right and then um towards the middle of the film and before she dies she's wearing a see-through orange jacket mm-hmm. so even her clothes hmm. and during the it's less vibrant but during the sex scene she's wearing like an orange tinged dress yeah that's and again cool. that's the beginning of Kay's disconnect with her yeah oh gosh orange and blue people orange blue blessed blessed best orange and blue best orange best blue yeah um so on the horse there's i didn't notice it but apparently there's like a little spot where uh a unicorn horn would have been oh that makes sense yeah um so in the bible rachel gave birth to joseph who was sold into slavery and later became an important patriarch of israel joe joe huh um and then at the orphanage only the girls have long hair and all the boys have shaved hair which oh and in the flashback she has long hair yeah yeah and then the all like the little figurines that they show in decker's house Mm -hmm. um the first letter of all of them, rhino, antelope, cat, horse, elephant, lion, spell out Rachel. Hmm. Yeah. And that is everything I have for you. That's some trivia for you. That's some trivia. All right, folks, let's do the deed. Let's make me sad. Final <laughs> thoughts and ratings out of 10. I don't think it'll make you sad. All right, we'll find out. <laughs> um. Okay. So... I don't know that I have a ton more to say about this movie that I haven't already said. I really don't think that there's a scene that we could take out. Like Sid mentioned, like everything there is perfectly placed and I don't think there's anything I could do about it. It just is long and feels long. And that's something that I think I have to get over if I'm going to really like it. Um, But I do think it's an amazing film and everything we talked about like it's just incredible so i think i'm going to give it a 9.3 that's fine yes (laughs) um so i think 
while we have watched two of Andrew's favorite movies, Tree of Life and Blade Runner 2049, I think it's a bit of a disservice to Andrew because I haven't felt great while we watched both of them. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I remember watching Tree of Life. I loved it, but I just couldn't get into it. I mean, and, it's still our highest rated movie, oh, yeah. though. So. Yeah, because it's it's great. Um, but yeah, even though like I wasn't feeling so hot through most of it, I loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm going to need a, f- a little bit of time to recuperate. But well, I do have two copies, so you're welcome to borrow <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah, like I'm really excited to watch it again and pay more attention to the theme and like the colors and... And we didn't give enough credit, but Roger Deakins is, he's the, he's the love of my life. We didn't give enough credit after gushing over him for... <laughs> but, yeah, there's never, you can never give him enough credit. That's fair. Um, But yeah, just like the whole like feeling of the movie and everything that they put out there and just like the twist. It's honestly, yeah, it's one of the best sci-fis I've ever seen. And I'm going to give this a 9.5. A wowzy. Whoa. All right. Um, well, then. You know, I think that this is just indicative of the fact that I choose the pool of movies from which we pick. <laughs> <laughs> that we end up doing movies that I like a lot. I need to have you guys start, like, introducing groups that I choose from rather than the other way around. Um, yeah. I mean, what else am I going to say? Uh, for me, it's a 10. No Whoa. surprise there. No Who would have thought that? Who would have thunk? Um, and this is what I mean when I say this. That this is the fifth movie that I've given a 10 to. <laughs> that we've done. Wait, okay. So which ones did you give it to? Tree of Life? All of the top four. Okay. So Tree of Life, <laughs> Dancer in the Dark, Black Swan, and There Will Be Blood. Oh. You didn't give Dancer in the Dark a 10? I gave it a 9.9. 9. Oh, okay. So did I, but I think it's probably a 10. And I gave Tree of Life a 10. I just actually need uh, Dancer in the Dark to be released in the United States so I can purchase it and watch it again. Even though it's really sad. Um, so what do we have? A 9.3, a 9.5, and a 10? Maybe like a 9.6 or a 9.7. 9.6 it is. That puts it right on there with Dancer in the Dark and Black Swan. But he's going to put it at the top of those three. <laughs> I also, uh, the audience doesn't see this, but I also moved the list around so that the new world sits above Django Unchained, <laughs> even though they're both 9.4. Uh, because I need to watch the new world again, but that's another one that I can't get out of my head. And it, I don't remember what I gave it, but it, it might be a 10. Terrence Malick is just the dude. We love him. Love him. All right, folks, that will conclude our discussion of Blade Runner 2049. We're going to get into some other topics now. Um, if this is where you leave us, we understand. We love you. Again, uh, get in touch with us at contact at wewatchmovie, or at wewatchpodcast.com. Uh, Instagram at wewatchpodcast, facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast. So now we're going to get into some other topics. We're going to talk about other things that we have been watching, um, as well as to remind you that two weeks until Midsummer comes out. We're almost there. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I seriously like I I cannot wait. <laughs> and Jordan Peele saw it and he said it was great. He said it was messed up. Which I'm I'm Which means it's great. I'm in for this. Let's go, folks. Becca's and face. I right didn't now. realize this. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out the end of July. 
I didn't realize it was that soon. Uh, we saw a trailer for It Chapter 2. Oh my gosh. That I actually looks pretty good. I didn't talk about it when it first came out, but I've been thinking about it for weeks. <laughs> and I'm so excited. The trailer for it's really good. Um, the first half of the trailer is really good. Yeah. Did you... Have you heard anything about Doctor Sleep? Oh, yeah. They came out with the trailer this week. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched it. And, like, I mean, I haven't seen The Shining yet, so I can't really draw comparisons. But, like, it doesn't look like it's going to be the same tone. It's the same guy who did Haunting of Hill House. So. Hmm. That gives me a little bit of faith. Yeah. I just, I don't see The Shining as something that needs a sequel. And I understand there's a sequel to the, like, there's a book sequel. Yeah. Right? About, I, about Danny. I kind of like figure just like from the trailer and like what's it about like it's not like a continuation of the story from the shining it's just danny it's just about danny yeah Yeah. so it's about it's about the shining then yeah it's not about the the movie the shining it's about the shining yeah which is the name that the caretaker gives to the psychic abilities that danny has Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm watching the shining tomorrow I'll report back next week. Have you? I've never seen it. You've never seen the show. No. I actually um, saw my very first Stanley Kubrick today. Who did you watch? I watched Dr. Strangelove. And it was great. I feel like it was a very good introduction into Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's probably his most tame. Yeah. I've like seen like, you know, it's like on TV all the time and I've like mm-hmm. seen clips, but it was like before I was... Um, not cool and i was a good person i was like there's a naked lady on this i can't watch this on in the shining oh so then i was like i can't watch this yeah turn it off dr strangelove though is outstanding it was so good like it took me like a little while to get into it but like once i like really you have to get on board with the tone yeah yeah but yeah there were just like so many subtle things that they were so funny like honestly one of my favorite parts is when they're like opening the guys on the plane are opening all the um their envelopes oh yeah and the guy just like has a letter opener and yeah like, i don't know why it was just so funny well there's just so like there's so many small things that are just yeah hilarious and like yeah. there's your standard lines like you can't fight in here this is the war room yeah. and like but still my favorite line is we cannot allow a mine shaft gap <laughs> <laughs> And just like when Dr. Strangelove, he's just like fighting his yeah. arm and it's like choking him. Oh my gosh. Mind fuel. I can't walk. <laughs> and it just ends yeah. there. <laughs> it's just brilliant. If oh you guys haven't gosh. seen Dr. Strangelove, read the Wikipedia article on the Cold War and then go watch Dr. Strangelove. Because <laughs> it's much, much funnier if you have at least a cursory knowledge of Cold War politics. <laughs> And like the freaking Russian premier is just partying the entire time. Like, <laughs> no, Dimitri, that's not what I said. <laughs> well, yes, Dimitri, I like talking to you. <laughs> well, I'm having a very hard time too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. So and freaking the guy writing the nuke down, oh like gosh. it's just a classic shot. It really is. Doctor Strangelove is so freaking good. Yeah. Kubrick is one of those that like if you haven't seen if you're like into film and you haven't seen any Kubrick films for some reason, like he's one of those that lives up to the hype. Mm-hmm. I have never been disappointed by any Kubrick that I've seen. Um, having said that, I would recommend probably starting with Dr. Strangelove uh, yeah. just because it's the most accessible. 
yeah, I think it was a good entrance point for me. Um, some of his other stuff gets a little bit more abstract. I think you're going to want to start out with Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. That's the best one that you can just jump right in. Hey, who hasn't wanted to go to an orgy with Tom Cruise? <laughs> Can you imagine an orgy with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in the 90s? I mean, it wouldn't be a bad time. So. <laughs> um, no. It, um, recommendation for that. Start with Dr. Strangelove and then probably The Shining. Um, and then either Barry Lyndon or 2001. And then from there, you're probably fine. Yeah. It's- actually, after that, probably... Actually, uh, maybe Full Metal Jacket before... 2001, then A Clockwork Orange, then Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, sounds like a good progression. If you want to like get introduced to the wacky and then like slowly work yourself in. (laughs) A Clockwork Orange is a tough one. That's a tough one to get through. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like I hear it's a rough one, but I still really want to watch it. It's outstanding. Yeah, my dad walked by when i was like on netflix and he uh-huh. saw it was on my watch list and he's like don't watch that that's not a movie you want to watch and i was like then it just means i really want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good but it's rough yeah for sure have you seen all of his films uh not all of them okay but i'm working my way through it nice i have the i have the stanley kubrick collection from amazon it was 35 dollars um oh and i didn't include in there i guess just like do whatever you want with like lolita and spartacus and the killing that kind of stuff paths of glory do whatever you want with those um my kubrick knowledge really starts at i think 2001 came out first out of all of those because that was 68 uh maybe dr strangel came before that i don't know Mm. In any case, Kubrick is a genius, and we miss him greatly. And what a what a bang to go out on, no pun intended, with Eyes Wide Shut. What a crazy movie. <laughs> um, but I'm proud of you for watching Kubrick. Thank you. Um, what else? What else you been watching? Um, this has been a week of Ryan Gosling. I watched Drive. Ooh, finally. At, After we didn't watch it yeah. the 50 times yeah. that we planned to. I loved every second of it it's so freaking good oh my gosh like there are sometimes where for whatever reason i just like don't totally remember how beautiful ryan gosling is and how amazing of an actor he is and then it hits me and i get the wind knocked out of me and that's did what you, happened did you read the trivia on drive uh-huh. i just think I, I i freaking love my favorite piece of trivia about that movie is that Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams basically just like mutually decided to only say half their lines. Yeah. They're just like, I don't think we should talk. <laughs> like, instead of talking right now, we're just going to kind of stare at each other. Yeah. Which they... <laughs> was amazing. Oh, yeah, it's so good. But just like, oh my gosh, he's so cool in that. And the music is incredible. And ugh. That like real human being song. I like so immediately good. like went for a drive and listened to that. Yep. Like, because I can never drive to anything else now. It's yeah. only this. I don't know. And I, I love the opening scene of that movie. It just sets the tone. Like, uh-huh. this is not a car chase movie. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So good. That was really good. Um, And then I rewatched Swiss Army Man. <sighs> good choice. I love that movie. Super good. I forgot how weird it is, but I was just laughing. That's so how hard. I am. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is like, a weird movie. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie's weird. And then I watch it and I'm like, 
I do not remember this weirdness. And then you go back and watch the music video for Turn Down for What? And you're yeah. like, they gave like, these guys money for a movie? Yeah. But then also at the same time, you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that movie's great. And the music in it is great. Great study music. I listen to it every time it's, I do homework. The music, so good. Uh, for anybody who didn't know, is done by the frontman of Manchester Orchestra. Andy oh. Hull. Yeah. So if you enjoy the music from Sasari Man, specifically his voice, um, I would recommend um, Manchester Orchestra's first two albums. Um, I'm Like a Virgin Losing a Child and Mean Everything to Nothing, as well as Black Miles at the Surface. Those are my three favorite Manchester Orchestra albums, and they are all worth your time. Yeah. It's great. And then I watched Chernobyl. Uh, Yay. The whole thing? Yeah. <sighs> And it was so good. It's so good. Like I, I didn't expect it to be that good. It's so good. Yeah, like it's terrifying. I was talking to Becca about it earlier, and like the first two episodes are just like they're horrifying to watch. Cause like I feel like anything that I knew about Chernobyl, I like felt very divided from it because obviously I wasn't born and I wasn't there. But like it doesn't feel like everything I heard about it didn't feel like this huge disaster but like watching it it was mm-hmm. and like seeing like the effect of all of it it was horrible but just like ugh. the whole show and the acting was fantastic except for the scenes where they have to kill dogs well, the not acting was phenomenal was so i couldn't watch that. also can we just have barry cogan be in like everything i love him to death is he the he's the kid yeah he's big fan of him anyway that's all i watched so it's been a good week well that's not so bad um this just reminded me i hadn't checked it a couple days the blu-ray for chernobyl is now listed on amazon so pre-order that sweet because i want that on the shelf even though we're running out of space on the shelf yes um in any case becca what do we watch uh we watched gravity you mentioned it earlier you did watch gravity what did you think of gravity it was so good that was the first time i'd seen it and i thought it was amazing i'm glad we watched it it's i forgot how good it was mm-hmm. alfonso doesn't disappoint ever dude that was one of those and i even said it out loud a few times during the movie i was like this is a film that somebody made mm-hmm. like yeah gravity was once a piece of paper and he turned it into that oh, i'm it's like so good and then I'm like, think about that fact and then tell me that anybody else deserved best director for that year because it's not even close. It's, it yeah. does, it, it, there's no contest for who deserved best director that year. No way. It, it, I didn't realize this. I looked it up. It won seven Oscars. Wow. Yeah. It won, I'll see if I can remember them. It got visual effects, cinematography, directing, score, and both sound ones. Well deserved. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've also, we finished up True Detective season three. Oh, yeah, we did. Which was good. It was good. Not as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been watching Westworld. Mm. Very good. I think that's uh, kind of why I wanted to watch Blade Runner 2049 today, honestly. Mm. <laughs> that's fair. It's very good so far. Um, and then we watched Alien Covenant. Oh, yeah. Which was so good. It was really good. Is it, Okay, so that's the newer one. That's the newest like one. Franco. Okay. Uh, kind of. Kind of. For a little bit. He's and then he just like... Oh, he's in it for like 90 seconds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Becca and I are planning on doing, because we've been watching through all of these, once we watch Alien 3, which is the last one we're going to watch, because we were told not to watch Resurrection, 
Um, we're going to do like a mini sub with the two of us kind of going over the rest of the Alien franchise because we've been watching these all together and um, we maybe did Alien a little bit of a disservice on our episode. Yes. Because watching the other ones, I guess if you've seen them all, you're more than welcome to join us for our mini sub. I've only seen the first two Aliens. Well, oh. and Prometheus and Covenant. So all and of them. So all the ones we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I also want to talk about it because um, the philosophy specifically of Prometheus and Covenant, I feel like are really interesting counterpoints to the philosophy of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll be coming at you with that. It, we probably won't do like a full episode on it, but we'll do like a like half hour, 40 minute kind of thing. Just talking about the rest of the Alien franchise. Yeah. Um, did we talk about... No, because we saw Godzilla after Moonrise Kingdom. We went and saw Godzilla. We went and saw Godzilla. What'd you think? It was fun. Yeah. That's like, really like all you can say about it. Like the storyline is pretty bleh. We wanted more monsters or like like yeah, more. I just wanted monster fights. Time with yeah. monsters. Every single time there was a human being on the scene, I was like, I just want you to be eaten by a monster right now. Yeah. With the single exception of, um, I just lost his name. The Asian guy. I don't. Ooh. What is his name? I don't know. But isn't it sad that the only one who actually gets eaten is Sally Hawkins? Yeah, right? That was like, like right in the beginning. And I think she probably just had like another engagement come up. She's like, eh, just have the monster eat yeah. me. <laughs> uh, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was awesome. Yeah. Freaking chudging through the radiation to go nuke Godzilla to bring him back <laughs> to life. Cool. Freaking dopest thing. They literally just, they're like, uh, guys, Godzilla's in the crockpot right now. And uh he's kind of recharging and they're like just stick him in the microwave (laughs) that's literally what they did (laughs) and it worked (laughs) and then when he's walking through the downtown just like just like pulsing out nukes oh it's so great (laughs) and then still none of the annoying people die yeah yeah even though i wanted all of them to die yeah yeah well no the mom might have died right oh yeah oh she's she's dead dead Unless she comes back as a monster. This is how I describe Godzilla King of the Monsters, right? So they had two writer's rooms. And during the course of writing this movie, the two writer's rooms did not talk to each other at all, right? In the one room, they said, hey, you guys are in charge of writing the next Godzilla movie. And then they just took like a 50-pound bag of cocaine and dropped it on the table and we're like, go ham, guys. Write me a movie. And so they did. And then they went to another room. And they're like, hey, here is a bottomless supply of LaCroix. Write me a family drama. <laughs> and they're like, done. You got it. We'll write you the blandest, most boring, flavorless family drama in the world. And then the producers came together with these two scripts that the two groups of writers had given them. And they said, okay. One page of cocaine, one page of LaCroix. <laughs> one page of cocaine, one page of LaCroix. Because that movie was just a roller coaster of excitement. And that, like, I was really excited and then I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> he literally fell asleep. <laughs> so. Yeah. But it's fine. But it's, you know, it's fun as long as you skip to the, the fun part. Yeah, you can red box it or yeah. $5 Tuesday it or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, and I think that's all that we've been watching, right? I mean, I went and saw The Secret Life of Pets 2. Oh, that's right. Oh. And Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix. I never saw the first Secret Life of Pets. It's not that good. No. <laughs> Neither is the second one. 
Dark Phoenix was actually pretty good. I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, just an X-Men movie, but it's good. The apocalypse just left such a bad taste in my mouth. X-Men has always been like 50-50. First Class is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those ones are First Class and Days of Future Past are both amazing. Those ones are really good. I've always liked them. It's just been like a... I don't know, just like a superhero movie that mm. I enjoy, but like, yeah, that's all it is for me. That's fair, and that's what this one was too. But it was good, like it was cool, and like Jean's powers were really, really cool, and there were some cool fight scenes. Yeah. So, yeah, not bad. Awesome. Right. Um, I think that does it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Midsummer comes out in two weeks. Yep. We'll be cool. hitting you guys up with that. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. You want to get in contact with us? Once again, contact at wewatchpodcast.com. You can email us there. Uh, Facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast. You can uh, message us there. Uh, Instagram at movies we watch. Make sure you tell your mom about the podcast. We'd love to have her listen and write in. We'd love to hear from all of our uh, mom listeners out there. Um, Dads too. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. And we hope you have a great day. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. Uh, take it easy.